Lowe's knows you'll do it right to find the right gifts for dad this Father's Day. We do it right, too, with deals that'll make dad as proud as his perfectly seared steak and his perfectly manicured lawn. Now get a Charbroil 4-Burner Advantage Series gas grill for just $169 and pick up your choice of Craftsman gas or electric string trimmer for only $99 each. Make this Father's Day his best one yet and do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Charbroil offer valid through 612. Craftsman offer valid through 619 U.S. only. going on everybody welcome to another edition of pga grinders live after dark i am your host justin van zuden bringing you another golf show here this week we've got the dean and deluca invitational i believe the second year it's been called that but event down at colonial country club which has been contested here for quite some time so we have a lot of data a lot of course history to go off of this week and plenty of fun stuff to talk about on the show little bit of a smaller field uh, this week than we've seen with some of the recent events so uh, you'll see more guys getting through the cut this week and a week ago we had billy horschel defeating jason day in a playoff to uh, to win his first tournament in quite a while on the heels of three straight missed cuts so billy horschel back in the groove and he will be playing this week as well with that, uh, bringing the two usual co-hosts, got Gib Pollard to one side. Mr. Gib, how was uh, last week for you? Uh, last week was very frustrating. Uh, J, uh, JT Poston was uh, a very big thorn in my side. Uh, I forget that was. Yeah, I think he just make. Think he just made made another bogey just now. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was it was annoying. It was it was very very annoying. And then there was one other. I forget who it was. Uh, off the top of my head so I was riding the bubble the whole time and uh, every time like Charles Schwartz was withdrawing I'm like sweet that's one you know that's a, a chunk of ownership now gone and then uh, wasn't it Sean Stefani or Stephanie uh, got, got disqualified, disqualified yeah. I was thinking okay maybe that's a small chunk maybe I can uh, catch up there but then you know all my players went to hell on Sunday so it didn't really matter Ended up having a pretty good day, uh, family day, so I was not bummed that much. Well, it's good. Uh, I had a good bit of Horschel. Horschel was in my foursome video last week, so that was uh, nice to have, and about 25 30% exposure to him, so fairly nice week last week. And myself and uh, Mr. Brian Devonshire, after taking a breather last week with other commitments and things, and uh, the annual river rafting uh trips he's back with us here tonight uh, Devo, how are you nice to catch up with you after a couple weeks yeah i'm feeling really good i haven't paid attention to fantasy golf in an entire week and uh, probably didn't have as good of a last several days as you did congratulations on your six-figure score yesterday i heard you had a nice weekend in golf too if you had 30 percent billy ho he probably wasn't very popular after missing yeah he's so well done mister uh, yeah, I have been the that. lead instructor for a whitewater rafting guide school. My first time ever holding that position. I've been the, uh, know, helping out here and there a little bit, but it's uh, been a lot of fun. I had the rookies out on the river, did three trips yesterday, and I had all the paddlers turn their paddles upside down. So they're paddling with their T grips instead of their paddle blades. 
which is completely ineffective, but sometimes you get a boat full of customers that kind of paddle like that. So it was a really cool lesson and just seeing the rookies go through this adjustment from really good paddlers to really bad paddlers. It's a lot of fun out there. Well, interesting. I'm sure you have a blast uh, with that. I think you'd be a pretty entertaining person to learn mm-hmm. some of that stuff from. Uh, but uh, it's uh, it's nice to have you back this week. Now, and did uh, all the rookies come back is the bigger question. <laughs> Only one was unaccounted for. <laughs> I've made it nine days without one dropping out so far. And I've like, it's been cold. It's been snowing. I've been making them swim whitewater rapids. I've been making them like swim under the boat and pull themselves back in. Rookies are broke, so they don't even have like good gear. They're wearing like customer gears. It's, it's kind of kind of gnarly, really. <laughs> and also, uh, felt like I'd be remiss if I didn't say something about this. But condolences to anyone who may have been affected by the tragedy over in uh, Manchester last night. Uh, news broke of that kind of late uh, evening here in the states, and uh, sad to see those sort of things happening after a, a concert, which many. Uh, younger people, teenagers attended and uh, some fatalities there. So condolences to anyone who may have been affected directly or indirectly by that. Uh, other thoughts, anything else on, uh, on last week, uh, Gib, that, uh, that sticks out to you? No, no, no. Just, uh, yeah, was, like I said, it was a great family day on, on Sunday for me. So I, I didn't really mind not, not hitting on the golf at all. So you know, it was funny is uh, last week when we were doing the show, it was snowing outside. You, you were talking about how it's sweltering for you. And I saw Pat with the fan on behind him. And I was uh, somewhat jealous that you guys have warm weather. Well, today it's nine degrees outside. So, you know, <laughs> only, only in like in, in some of these uh, remote areas where you can go from snow to sweltering in uh, seven days. Yeah, we're only in the 50s here today, so we've got uh, rules reversed and uh, a little cooler than normal for this time of year here in the Midwest. Uh, But this week, we'll shift our attention here to Colonial Country Club and a tournament that's long been the host. Uh, What was this? Was this the Crown Plaza before? Mm -hmm. Uh, So Crown Plaza for a long time. Dean and DeLuca Invitational now. Who knows what before that? But par 70. What's that? Bank of America Colonial is what's called. Some corporate, some fun corporate sponsor, which uh, you know, Dean and DeLuca has the sponsorship and uh, par 70 course. Once again, this week, you'll see a similar feel to what we saw a week ago. A lot of the same guys, obviously, who like playing on these uh, relatively shorter par 70 tracks will be playing in these types of events uh, still in Texas in the Fort Worth area for, for this course. So uh, you'll see a lot of similarities with the guys that golfed last week and uh, maybe the week before to the guys that are golfing this week. A lot of similarities in the field. Um, 120-some-odd golfers usually for this event, so not like the 156, 144, some of those full-field events. Uh, The Invitationals have smaller fields, so still top 70 in ties making the cut, which I said at the top of the show, you'll probably see a larger percentage of uh, guys making it through the cut and maybe six out of six lineups, depending on how the chalkier players do this week. As far as the setup of the event, uh, setup of the course itself, uh, Gib, what do you think about Colonial? Well, Colonials, I think it's a tournament. I think it's the oldest tournament uh, on tour. And, you know, it's surrounded by houses, so it can't go anywhere. They can't expand on it. So it's really is what it is. I mean, I don't know if they've done any resurfacing uh, in the last, you know, a couple of years or not, but it, it really can't go anywhere. So it's one of those timeless classics, really. So um, it has a lot of dog, uh, you know, 
dog leg uh, holes. And so, you know, it is Texas, so the wind does sort of play a factor in the course, but it is really quite a, uh, a, a timeless course. There's a lot of people, a lot of history. Uh, apparently there's a, a champion's wall and there's the who's who of golf is basically written on that wall. So yeah, it's uh, one of those ones where I'm probably going to be targeting uh, tee to green players and uh, with smaller um, greens, I'll probably not really focus too much on the putting, but uh, yeah, it's, that's what I got. All right, uh, Devo, what do you think about the course and uh, maybe what you've seen preliminarily for uh, weather this week? Well, the course is extremely narrow and tight. The greens are some of the smallest on the tour as well. Uh, so I'm really looking at strokes gained approach uh, as well as proximity. Uh, I like par four scoring and I'm with you on T to green give. I think that there might be some leverage to be had you know, with the specific proximity range, like 150 to 75 or 75 to 200. I know that driver's going to be taken out of these guys' hands a lot, and these par fours are typically around 450 yards. So I haven't figured out an edge there, but there may be one. I also took a look at the weather, and it's going to be windy. Uh, it looks like it's going to be significantly windier on Thursday afternoon than it will be Friday afternoon, but we know how these things change. At this moment, it looks like there may be a slight edge to the Thursday morning, Friday afternoon group. I agree. That's the exact sense that I got when I first looked at the weather here about two hours ago. It looks as of right now that, that it would be favorable to that Thursday morning group. So, And we saw last week, it was, uh, it was really strange. We kind of expected things to, to even out over the two days, and they, for the most part, did. But with the, the winds kicking up in the afternoon on both Thursday and Friday, I think Thursday there was like a two-and-a-half shot difference between the waves, and then Friday there was a one-and-a-half shot difference. So it ended up being a stroke, maybe nine-tenths of a stroke, something like that difference uh, between the waves. And we saw that create you know an advantage for the guys that did tee off earlier on Thursday. That was a lot, a big chunk of your leaderboard uh, come the end of the day on Friday, that extra stroke. Um, and, you know, sometimes in Texas, we'll see advantages bigger than that, especially with how windy it's supposed to be at this tournament. I mean, they're talking 30 mile an hour wind gusts on Thursday, 25 mile an hour wind gusts on Friday. So uh, as of now, I'm 100 percent with Devo. I think if there's an advantage to be gained from the weather at the moment, it looks like Thursday morning is going to be the best time to play golf out of those first couple of days. And certainly something that you have to watch heading up uh, until tea time. Uh, Kevin Roth, of course, will put out a weather forecast tomorrow. But uh, this is definitely a tournament where you want to be watching the weather. We're not talking about rain and thunderstorms here. So there's probably not going to be uh, – sometimes there's a risk of a delay uh, that throws the whole advantage off. But we're not looking at that here. It's just heavy winds. And, unless the uh, winds get too heavy. Unless they get too heavy, right. But it doesn't look like they're calling for 40, 45, anything like that. Uh, just, you know, 30 at, at the highest. And that shouldn't be enough to stop play unless they have the greens running way too fast, which I can't imagine they would. Uh, it's, it's probably going to be, you know, just the wind to deal with. So hopefully it is nice when we can get an edge from that and know to, you know, play some guys from that Thursday morning wave. You got any thoughts uh, else on the course or the weather there, Gib? No, no. I, I'm, I was looking at the wind direction and it looks like for both days, it's coming out of the same direction. Sometimes you can get those ones where it flips on the, on the Friday. So, um, you know, playing in a, in a different wind conditions can sometimes be tricky in itself. So it looks like the wind's coming out from the same direction. So uh, 
yeah, I, I agree with the uh, slight advantage to the Thursday morning curve. All right. Again, that is how it looks for now. So uh, try to note the tee times for some of these guys. I have them up uh, as we go through them. And with that, we'll get started into the picks for this week. And uh, the top end of the field, we've got Jordan Spieth. He is the defending champion at this event. Uh, the, the knock on Spieth right now, back-to-back miscuts. And if you followed the event last week, uh, Spieth was humming along. He was, you know, 15th or 20th. Uh, heading into Friday, and he was trying to, to put the pedal down on Friday. And on 16, the par five on the back, which was the easiest hole on the course, he put two balls into uh, somebody's backyard off the tee on 16. He hit a tee shot, and then he hit a provisional. They were both out of bounds, and he had to re-tee for his fifth shot on that par five. Ended up making a nine and uh, missed the cut by one stroke as a result. So anything other than a nine on that 16th hole, and he makes the cut. Uh, so back-to-back missed cuts for Jordan Spieth, but a course here that clearly suits his eye. He's made all four cuts here, all of them top 15 finishes. As I just mentioned, he's the defending champ. Uh, so Spieth still gets that high price tag at 12K, John Rahm at 11.8K, and then there's a clear distinction before we get down to Sergio at 10.8. So – uh, Devo, where are you looking with these top three guys? Well, Vegas says they're equally likely to win. I don't have a good reason to believe that Spieth is broken, so I shall embrace these two missed cuts and his reduced ownership. I'll take Spieth over Rom. Okay. Uh, Geb, you got a thought on those top two? Um, I'm thinking that Rom's going to be higher owned. But I think Sergio is going to probably be higher owned than both of them because he is cheaper and his form is a little bit better coming into it. So I think Spieth might be the the option in which people. I mean, I I'm thinking that Spieth. A lot of people are going to think, well, he's going to be low owned because he had two straight missed cuts, and they're going to play the the uh, game theory angle and, and they might actually be on speed a little more than what we might think. So I'm a bit hesitant to, to roster speed uh, just because his uh, recent form has been so poor, but his, his form coming into last year was poor too. You know, he dunked the, the two balls on the 12th at Augusta and we all know what happened there. And then he missed the cut the players uh, the following tournament. So he was coming in with bad form last year too. So I'm undecided as to what to do with Spieth yet, but, you know, I, I'm probably just going to stay away from him if I'm only making a few lineups. Yeah, I, I think, you know, people are kind of past the I'm going to avoid a guy because he's missed a couple cuts narrative for the most part. Uh, but Rom, I mean, he hasn't missed a cut all year. He's always popular. He did miss the second cut at the players. But uh, it, the form for Spieth is, you know, somewhat of a concern for, for a lot of people. I mean, you see a lot of chatter about that. So I do think Rom will be more popular. Obviously, they will both get their share of ownership, uh, being the, you know, the two most likely guys to, to win this tournament. And uh, the high price tag, it's somewhat easy to fit them into a lineup. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can, uh, you know, if you want to take both of them uh, together, you really got to scrape the bottom of the barrel. But if you just want to take one of the two, it's certainly easy, uh, certainly doable. So, uh, that's Rom and Spieth at the top. Uh, Gib, why don't you take us through the next few guys? We've got Sergio, Paul Casey, and Matt Kuchar also over 10K. I'm just looking at John Rom's group. It's him, Sergio, and Suu Kim. Talk about punch. so it's going to just be after Thursday. It's just going to be Sergio and Rom. 
Yeah, talk about punching above your weight class right there. Oh, you know, dude's got more withdrawals and made cuts this season. So his back um, is feeling better though. Yeah, for now. <laughs> until he starts out, until he starts yeah. out, you know, plus four. The South Korean version of the South African Louis season. <laughs> <laughs> I have no comeback for that. Yeah. So um, you know, I have a feeling Sergio is gonna be higher owned. I'm actually looking at Paul Casey uh, a lot. Uh, you know, this is a, a course in which is, you know, if we're looking at strokes gain tier to green and, and that sort of approach there, um, I, Paul Casey is one of the better ball strikers on tour. And, you know, if Jordan might be sneaky, well, for me, I think he might be sneaky high on. So, you know, there's Sergio, there's Rahm, and then there's Speed. So I think a pivot play might be Paul Casey, but I, I don't know. What do you guys feel about that? Go ahead, Devo. I'm a big fan of Paul Casey. I think he's going to go overlooked. I think his stats are exactly what I'm targeting in this course. And I think people are going to rather play Sergio than Casey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. So, And, you know, Matt Kutcher's Matt Kutcher. Um, you know, very solid player. I, I wasn't worried for him, you know, shooting. I think it was at 81 at the players. Uh, on the uh, yeah, it was on the third day there. I wasn't really yep. worried about that. He's still a you know a cut making machine. He's gonna do what he's gonna do. He'll probably finish in the top twenty because that's just what Matt Kutcher does. So um, you know, I'm more interested in potentially the upside of Casey over Kutcher. So that's probably where I'm leaning at the moment. Can we take a moment to talk about weather and ownership? Because Casey and Spieth both have afternoon Thursday tea times. Mm-hmm. So it, it's some sort of give and take in the reduced equity from their challenge in playing in stiffer wind versus their reduction in ownership. Are we under the assumption that people are overreacting to weather mostly lately? And if so, does that make Spieth and Casey better? I haven't seen a huge difference in ownership due to weather lately, but we haven't had any tournaments where it has been a huge issue, at least forecasted to be last week. You know, we kind of thought it was even uh, for the two waves. This week, we might be looking at a, dif- a different narrative. And if that narrative takes off, that there is a big advantage to the morning wave. And we think people, when that happens, when there is a quantifiable, at least somewhat quantifiable edge to one of the waves, you will see ownership pivot that way. And I see what you're getting at there with, you know, if, if their expectation for that wave is maybe one shot worse uh, for for Thursday and Friday, but yet you get Paul Casey at eight percent ownership instead of twenty. Is that worth the risk in a GPP? I think so. I think so too. And uh, it's you know it's all a matter of how people are going to react to the weather forecast, which is probably a little too difficult to tell right now. If it looks like it's going to be not big, uh, not a huge edge, when Kevin Roth comes out tomorrow and says, "Hey, I don't think it'll be a huge edge." Uh, then, you know, I'd probably just play the guys that you think are in the better wave. But if that, if you start to see that narrative circulating on Twitter and uh, Ross forecast comes out tomorrow and the wind charts look, you know, as they do now or worse uh, or more of an advantage to the early wave, then uh, I think you might see those ownerships dip and, you know, people just uh, pivot to guys that have earlier tee times. You know, one of these other 10K guys is, it probably has an early uh, time. Rom does. Yeah, yeah, so and Sergio, they're both in the same yeah. group. Yeah, with Siwoo Kim. So that's an early group. So 
uh, you could easily pivot to those other guys and that might make, you know, Rom's ownership significantly higher than Jordan Spieth. I think it all comes down to how much that weather narrative starts to take off as we get closer to, to Thursday morning, Wednesday night. You got a take on that, Gib? I think that's an interesting discussion. Um, yeah, I, I, with Spieth, though, I mean, he grew up in this area, so I'm, I'm sure he's played a lot of golf in all sorts of Texas wins. So I don't know if necessarily it's going to be that much of a disadvantage. I, I mean, of course, when you play, when you're comparing people who are playing in better weather versus people playing in horrendous weather, yeah, there's a big edge there. But, you know, Spieth, um, he's played in this weather before. I was just trying to look back at while you guys were talking at um, Casey's results this year to see, you know, trying to remember which which tournaments had the sort of high wind. Honda Classic is a is a tournament which usually is played with a bit of wind. I wasn't sh- I can't remember if the wind was picking up for that tournament, but he came 11th there. The Masters they had some weather issues in the earlier rounds, and uh, you know he gained three strokes on the field in the, the first round of the Masters. So you know if people are going to be taken like you know off Casey because he's on a late tee time then yeah, I agree. Uh, that's when I'm going to be even more intrigued about him. So let's see. Kuchar's tee time is... Uh, right after uh, Sergio. Yeah, he's at 8.06, so uh, also in the morning. Wow. Uh, all right, below the 10K guys there, we have Zach Johnson leads off the 9K. It's a pretty clear distinction, I think, between the top five guys and then the next tier, you've got Zach Johnson, uh, Kisner, whose form has taken a little bit of a hit in the last couple of tournaments, uh, but still making a lot of cuts. Bud Colley, who's been playing pretty well. Mark Leishman, Webb Simpson, and guys that we aren't used to paying in the 9Ks for. Uh, Jason Duffner will probably be the most popular 9K option this week with the way that he's been playing. He's racked up seven top 25 finishes in his last nine starts. So uh, Duffner, he's struggled on Sundays. A couple Sundays have, have really mm-hmm. given him, taken him out of contention for chances to win, but otherwise he's been playing really well. Uh, Devo, what are your thoughts on these uh, 9K groups? I like Kisner at 9.7 a bunch. He, this course looks excellent for him. I like his poor recent form because I do think it's going to reduce ownership more than it should. Um, and, yeah, I do agree with you that Duffner is going to be the most popular play here. I like him a lot too, but if he's going to be chalk, I have no problem fading him. He doesn't, you know, really leap off the page. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I think he's going to be the most popular in that range. Gib, you got thoughts on that and uh, who you like in there? Oh yeah, Duffin is definitely going to be the most highest on. I, it's hard for me not to be on him at all because he's, you know, he's what two runner-ups here and in his sixth last year. You know, he's having a solid year. I, I feel like it's only a matter of time until he's in the winner's circle again. Um, you know, his last win was, what, last year uh, for the career builder? So, you know, he's, he has won. Um, no, he hasn't won this course before. But there's a type of course which, you know, I think works really well for Duffner with the small greens. You know, it puts more of a premium on hitting greens and regulation. And Duffner's that guy. He's, he's great from tee to green. You know, what surprised me, though, is he's ranked 36 in strokes game putting, which is so far career best. If he keeps this up for the rest of the year, this would smash his career um, ranking in terms of strokes game putting. So, you know, the only 
memories I have of Duffner these days is him dropping the putter and walking off in disgust. <laughs> but, you know, his ranking would indicate that he's actually having a pretty solid year. So, um, yeah, he's people are going to be all over Duffner, but I don't mind going somewhere else if I have to. Uh, just to to pick up Duff. I I think he's a really you know perfect cash game play uh, along with someone like Kutcher. Uh, Zach Johnson is the career money uh, leader here at Colonial. He's won twice and he's got a whole string of top tens. So hard to sort of click that button with Zach Johnson the way he's been, but you know it. it well, it's called Hogan's Alley this course, but for a while it was called Zach's Track. And he was tearing it up here. So, uh, you know, he'll be lower. Did you just make that up or? No, no, no. I remember that title. I mean, because we've been playing since what? Draft Street time. So, you know, you think back how far that was. So that was right in his sort of prime at this this course. So it was being called Zach's track for a little bit. So, um, you know, he, he has some history here. So. You know, if people want to play the course history angle, Zach Johnson is a, a decent play, but pretty stiff for my liking. I can't get on the Bud Pauly train, but, you know, it's sort of like the Patrick Cantley train. Uh, and I'm going to get shot for that, I think. So um, when in doubt for Texas, I like playing some Australians. So, you know, Mark Leishman, he's uh, won. He's ranked 36 in the world. So he's playing much, much better. He's sort of... Feels like he might be having a somewhat career year this year. So I have no worries if people want to roster him. I think people will be going Webb Simpson because of his course history. So, and, you know, with recent form, they're going to be potentially going to Corley. So Leishman could be a forgotten man in the middle here. So, and then there's Phil also there. So I think Leishman might be a forgotten man there. Yeah, well, Leishman fits the win narrative. I think people are kind of onto that. A pretty decent performance last week as well. But yeah, he he just doesn't, you know, he he doesn't pop for that price like some of the other names. If you're just looking at guys, you'd feel comfortable paying that kind of price tag for. Collie is a guy that I have been fortunate with. I have uh, hit him pretty spot on most of uh, most of the year. I mean, the times I faded him have been his poor events. The times I've been on him have been his good events. Really good stretch of golf, ninth, tenth, fifth. Uh, was really in the in the mix last week. His last three starts have all been top tens there. So uh, really strong recent form for Collie, but he is a bomber. Don't know if he necessarily fits the profile of a guy I love at this course. So I think I'm off of him this week. Um, but you know, I certainly have no qualms about anybody that wants to ride the wave. Also, his price tag is seventeen uh, dollars higher than it was last week. He was $7,800 last week. He's $9,500 this week. That's a pretty big jump, uh, so I think I'm off of him there. Pretty much agree on what you guys said otherwise. Don't think I'm on Webb Simpson this week either. Um, just, I mean, if I'm playing somebody that I want for a safe play or a cash game play in that range, I'll just play Duffner. Well, we get into the 8Ks. We've got uh, Phil Mickelson at 8800 Past winner here, we've got Tony Finau at 8,700. Uh, Brian Harmon, Adam Hadwin, a couple of shorter hitters. Hadwin's been pretty popular most of the year, but faded recently in terms of his ownership. I mean, nothing uh, eye-popping for a result lately, but he's still making a lot of cuts. Uh, Gib, who are your favorite 8K golfers this week? I like Phil. He's actually won here twice. So, uh, but he's Sorry, like- Phil? Twice. For the first- there's- actually, there's a lot of two-time winners or multiple winners at this tournament. I mean, Ben Hogan won it five times. So uh, unfortunately we, we, we could have never rusted him, but um, 
Yeah, uh, Phil, he's, there was a quote from Ben Hogan that I was reading. I, I actually read the 125-page media guide for this event. So they had quotes from all the legends. And uh, Ben Hogan mentioned about how this course, if you hit it straight, you're not going to do too well. And that sort of makes me think, yeah, those who can maybe shape, uh, shape a shot uh, sort of succeed pretty well here. And then you take a look at Phil, and he's really good at shaping his shot. So, um, you know, I don't mind Phil at 8-8. Eight, eight. I think had one. I, he's my, my, he might be my favorite player of the week. So I actually have him to win in my hot takes. So uh, I'm, I'm on had one a lot. He's what, uh, out of the players who have played this tournament uh, between two to five times, he's ranked fourth in uh, uh, scoring average for this course. So, um, and uh, this course is always uh, traditionally a bit tougher than the rest. The, uh, the cut line is usually above uh, one, one over par. And, you know, you look at the Valspar and a couple other of these harder courses. He won the Valspar and I think it was, I forget which one it was, but he, he plays pretty well in that too. So some of these difficult courses, Hadwins uh, seems to be playing uh, a little bit stronger this year. So I like him at 8-4, definitely well, green, green light in all formats for me. Well, the old uh, guy I faded until he finally fell off the tracks. Mm -hmm. I have to call that off now because that 72nd place finish is, was as good as a missed cut, uh, but he still <laughs> hasn't missed a cut. So I guess technically I'm not allowed to hop back on because I said I wasn't doing that until he missed a cut. Uh, but I mean, at that price, yeah, perfectly reasonable if you want to play Adam Hadwin, especially in cash games. Uh, certainly you play Adam Hadwin before Siwoo Kim there, right, Gib? Definitely. <laughs> All right, uh, Devo, who you like in, in the uh, fill and below range there? Well, I agree with Adam Hadwin. He kind of checks every single box you could look for today. He's great on the approach, par four, tee to green. Proximity is even decent. He's got – Vegas likes him. I just wonder if he's going to be popular, though, because I, mean, I don't really see people playing Brian Harmon or Chris Kirk over him. The, the course history folks will be playing uh, Kirk because he won it, I think, two years ago, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, Chris he, Kirk yeah, does he's, have he's, pretty good course history. Yeah, he does. I mean, really, all these guys in this range have just fine course history. It's kind of hard to get too turned on by anything when you're looking at course history. Yeah, there's just a, there's a lot of guys. And obviously, the guys that play here a lot are the guys that like the course. And uh, we've got tons of data to go off of. There's even some plays in the 7K range that are guys with pretty good course history. Uh, you know, Kirk at 8,200, he's not having a great year, but uh, he hit it with the 12th at the uh, Players' Championship. Pretty good weekend rounds there. And uh, and obviously the history here, so maybe he's coming into something. Uh, Snedeker, he's the kind of forgotten man in the uh, amongst the elite group of golfers price tag down to 8,100. He's been battling a hand wrist injury, skipped the players championship to rest that, um, but played at the Byron Nelson, which was a little bit strange, but he missed the cut last week, shot five over, just didn't play well at all. Really was never threatening uh, to even be above the cut line. And then you've got the perpetual withdrawal risk with Siwoo Kim at 8K. Uh, last week's champion Horschel at 7,900 has not played here. Uh, in a long time, I don't even, I can't remember. I can't remember if it's, he hasn't played here in several years or he hasn't played here at all. I, I looked at that yesterday, but I'll, I'll, I'll take a look for you. Yeah. Either he hasn't played here in four or five years or he's never played here. I can't remember which. It might be confusing him with somebody else. 
uh, but I, I know he's not, you know, kind of one of your quote unquote regulars here. He's never played here. Yeah. He's never played here. So, I mean, Snedeker, Siwoo Kim, Horschel, not a lot for me to get excited about until we get down into the seven K's. Um, but uh, anybody in there that, uh, that you like Devo that uh, maybe we haven't mentioned in low eight K's, otherwise we can get into the seven K's. Well, one guy we didn't mention in the high eight K's who I like a bunch is Tony Fino. I think people are going to be off of him because he's a bomber, but he's 17th this season, strokes gained approach, fourth strokes gained tee to green, and seventh in par four scoring. His form is just about as good as anybody else, and his course history here is decent too. So if he's going to be the overlooked guy, I, I like Tony Fino a whole bunch. Um, as far as the lower 8K, higher 7K range, just as a, since we since we – Skipped over him. It was kind of unintentional on my part, but uh, early ownership projections currently have Fino as the second highest owned guy in the field outside no. of Duffner. I don't know. I think Hope people just. <laughs> I think people just like playing him. I. I don't know. He was really popular last week as well, but uh, yeah, he, some people do tend to not take him on the bomber type courses i think there's a quote out there where he said he'll still hit driver here more than most people would expect so uh, yeah, that, I mean, i've seen that narrative has been circulating too you look at it tight courses that you know you're not particularly hitting driver off that much valspar is one that sort of resonates with me a lot he came fifth there this year so it's not like Finau can't succeed on these courses where you know, you're taking drive out of him because, you know, he hits it further with his other pl- other clubs too. So, you know, if they're all hitting from the same spot, he's hitting a, a small club while others are playing, you know, a mid-length club. So, yeah, I, I don't really hate on Finau just because he's a bomber. So, I... Well, he's also eight. I mean, he's eighth in ball striking this year. So, it's not like mm-hmm. he's been terrible otherwise anyway that the uh the omission of Fino when we were going through the 8ks there it was unintentional so uh have back at it on the other uh, anybody in the high 7ks that you like no actually there's only a few guys that i like even remaining um yeah my targets really stand out this week and i don't have another one until 7.5k are you telling me that I'm going to have to stall a little bit tonight to get us uh, to get us to make our uh, our hour? I, I wanted to bring this up anyway at the beginning of the show, but uh, there are no FanDuel golf contests this week. So if you're looking to play some golf uh, on FanDuel, you are not going to be able to do that until next week. Uh, they've said that they are making some changes. They've heard the feedback. Uh, their format was uh, was not well embraced by a lot of people with the round one and two and three and four formats. It just uh, it didn't seem to click. So it was like the Zurich classic of DFS golf. Yeah. It just, uh, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to a lot of people. Uh, tournaments weren't, you know, filling all the way. And uh, so I have no inside information. I have no idea what these changes are going to be, uh, but they are making some changes. So there's no fantasy golf at FanDuel this week. And hopefully we'll see that back up there next week. Uh, and you know, it's nice that they're listening to the feedback and making some changes. So that's uh, that's that with FanDuel. As uh, someone who in, who writes a premium article for the FanDuel content, I am enjoying a week off uh, from writing this week, that article. So uh, 
for that hopefully next week we'll have to see what the new uh, format is over there if they come next week if it's next week i think i saw next week uh in what's well, the, the memorial next week so there would be no reason not to because that's a that's a pretty big invitation yeah. right there jack yeah. jack's tournament so yeah all right uh, give your thoughts on the high 7k players here uh Obviously, I mean, it's it, it's almost too obvious to call, but I'm just going to call it anyway. Ryan Palmer, it's his course. He's a member here. He plays pretty well here every time, every single time. He's played here 13 times, made 10 cuts. He came, uh, I think it was either second or fourth last year to Spieth. Uh, I know he was playing in the final group, I think, with Spieth, so, or at least the same group as Spieth. So, uh, you know... A lot of people, I remember last year that uh, everyone was bummed on Ryan Palmer because he missed the cut at the Byron Nelson because it was his hometown and everyone went on him and he was over 50% owned for the Byron Nelson and missed the cut. And then that dropped his percent ownership percentage 20% before the Colonial, which is his home course. And so I was loving it last year uh, when he missed the cut at the Byron Nelson. So he played pretty well last week, so we're not going to have that same problem. But it's hard for me in cash games to look past Ryan Palmer. It's almost, a, for me, it's almost a free square. Uh, I know he's dealing with some personal issues with his wife's health, but. Brian Palmer is never a free square. This guy is all over the place. I know it's his home course, but the dude is never a free square. That's a little too ambitious, in my opinion. I, I like him this week. I understand what you're saying. But the term free square, well, no way, man. Okay, this guy me, is Mr. Rollades. Let me rephrase that, okay? <laughs> Fair in enough. Terms, in terms of ownership, um, in terms of cash game, you're playing a double up 50-50. He's going to be very highly owned. So I don't know if you call that a free square, but you basically I have a feeling if you, if you roster Ryan Palmer in cash games, you're basically playing five on five. I, I feel that's the way it's going to be. I don't know if you guys agree with that he's going to be that highly owned in cash games or not, but he was very highly owned last year. Uh, he was 30% owned. Uh, even after coming off from this cut, uh, he was much higher owned the, the week before, but you know, pe people are going to find out that it's his home course and he he's been playing. I mean, what, just in the last five years, a fifth, a 14th, a fifth, he missed the cut in 2015, but then came third last year. So, you know, he's, He's solid at this course, so I, I feel like he's going to be he's going to be chalky, uh, and that's why I have no worries with fading in, in in tournament play. If you think that he's going to be uh, Ryan Palmer esque and uh, blow up in everyone's face, so um, yeah, Billy Horschel. I don't know if I really want to take him. He is a premium ball striker on tour, uh, and that sort of fits the bill here. But, you know, he is coming off the win. I don't know if you guys saw what his wife posted on social media. I think it was yeah. today, yesterday. That was a pretty good story. Uh, pretty pretty good uh, pretty good read there about his wife and, and the issues that she's dealing with and, and how much pressure that he's under, not only on tour, but in his social life. So if anyone uh, hasn't seen that, I suggest you go check that out. And the other player above uh, 7.5 that I have some interest in is Emilio Grillo. He's, uh, he comes in ninth on my model. He's got some pretty solid uh, recent form. Um, you know, he just makes cuts, and that's what you want for something like a cash game. So uh, his course history, I think he came 55, 55th here in his one start here. So not too bad, but, you know, for the price, 
I, I feel like it's a pretty solid option in cash game. Yeah, the uh, the story with Horschel was pretty remarkable. Obviously, three straight missed cuts and then won the tournament in the playoff over Jason Day last week. Uh, his wife basically admitted that uh, that she's been into rehab and uh, battling alcoholism for about a year and uh, posted a long story on social media, which was uh, then retweeted by Billy. So if you go to Billy Horschel's Twitter page, you can uh, find that uh, that statement that she put out yesterday uh, on, on Monday. So... Uh, good read there and, uh, and good for her for, you know, kind of uh, putting that out there. And after Billy's big win, we'll see how he does this week. Other, uh, I agree with you on, on Grillo. Uh, I think he's an option or Grillo uh, this week. Graham Delat coming off a missed cut. Not, uh, not the safest of plays. Ollie was really popular. Ollie Schneider James was really popular last week. Uh, you know, sputtered, made the cut, finished in the fifties. Jason Kokrak did his usual thing. He had a huge lead. Jason Kokrak shot a 62 on Friday um, and had a five or six shot lead heading into the weekend. And it was pretty much gone about six holes into Saturday's round. Uh, and and uh, he still came away with a respectable fourth place finish last week. But uh, he seems to be that guy that uh, when he gets off to a great start, he just can't ever seem to hold that lead. Uh, Pat Perez, I've seen him getting a lot of attention this week at 7.6K. Just seems too cheap. I know he's volatile, but uh, this year he's uh, shown a remarkable propensity for making cuts, 11 for 12. He's going to be a guy that's popular in this range at 7.6. And you've got some other pretty pretty good golfers uh, in this area as well. So, uh, Devo, you said you had a guy kind of in the mid-7Ks. Who's your favorite uh, pick in here? Yeah, I got two guys, and they're pretty similar uh, mirror images of each other. They're both strong in the approach, par four scoring, tee to green, proximity, and just kind of average around the green. Uh, they're both in excellent form with the top ten in their last appearance after a week off last week. And they both have pretty poor course history, which should keep their ownership down. Their names are Lucas Glover and Kyle Stanley. Uh, they have pretty good value if you're considering Vegas odds. I think they won't be too popular and they just stand out to me so much statistically that there's really no reason for me to take anybody uh, more expensive than them until I get to Adam Hadwin. Yeah. Glover's a guy that, uh, that came both Glover and Stanley actually played well at the players, uh, both good ball strikers, sometimes a little bit hit or miss with the putter, but uh, two guys that in this range I do think stand out as uh, as decent plays. And, you know, especially at, the, at that price, Stanley's seen a bit of a bump in price. Uh, he's not going to be that popular. For some insight into our projected ownership, we currently have both guys right around, uh, you know, 10% and nothing in the top. I mean, there's about 30 golfers that are more popular than uh, than both of those guys in terms of our projected ownership. So I like them as well. Sun Kang is a, a guy that was really popular last week, continues to make cuts, put up a 20th place finish at the Byron Nelson, 69, 68, 69, 70, really solid rounds throughout uh, for Sun Kang a week ago. You've also got Graham McDowell at 7,400. Uh, Nick Taylor was one of the most popular value plays last week and probably will be again this week with an eighth and a ninth in his last two tournaments. Uh, that's part of what will keep guys like uh, Glover and, and Stanley down a little bit uh, just because there are other plays in this range. I mean, I'm assuming we probably have Taylor projected kind of in that same uh, ownership range. So 
lots of interesting options in here. Uh, Gib, you got somebody other than uh, than the guys that uh, Debo mentioned there? Uh, Graham McDowell, GMAC, comes into uh, – I think he comes into play. He's never played this course before. He's not a he's not a bomber. He's a course manager, uh, and he is along this. In terms of Lucas Glover and Kyle Stanley, he's in the same boat. He's a cut maker, just like they are. And you know, if you're going to tell me that Lucas Glover and Kyle Stanley are going to be owned more, if I want to pivot off those two, then Graham McDowell will be one that I, I might be looking at. David Lingmurth is my low-owned potential tournament flyer. Um, he's made the Has cut. Has he not been playing a much, playing much lately? I don't remember seeing his name a whole lot. Let's see. He played at the players. He uh, made the cut, but then he blew up on the in the third round. Oh, that's and then, right. Yeah, he was... um, shot a 78 and uh, missed the cut or missed the secondary cut. He has horrible form coming in besides the, the 18th at the, um, at the Wells Fargo. But I was just doubling back to his lead up into his prior three uh, starts at this tournament. In 14 events before his last three starts at the Colonial, he's missed 13 cuts and he had a runner up at the players. And he still has solid form coming in. I mean, he still has a solid track record. So he has a history of just poor form coming into the Colonial. And he's been making, he's made the cut all three times. So I don't mind that. I don't think he'll be highly owned at all. He'll go, you know, off people, like it's not on anyone's radar. You know, I'm, I don't suggest going out and go 100% on David Lingmurth. But, you know, if you're playing a tournament lineup and you sort of want to get away from some of these higher owned players or, you know, for this price point, uh, David Lingmurth might be a decent option at 74 uh, and then Charlie Hoffman is a guy who... Yeah, why is Charlie Hoffman only 7,300 on DraftKings? I don't know, but he's another person. Between Nick Taylor, Sung Kang, uh, Charlie Hoffman, G-Max, Stanley, and Glover, yeah, I think a lot of ownership is going to be sucked up right there. Yeah, I mean, Hoffman is... A, I thought, you know, Hoffman always has this narrative that he plays well in Texas, and I saw his price come out, 7,300. I thought, well, Hoffman, maybe he stinks at this event. And that's why. And then I looked at his results here, and he's made the cut all eight time, all eight times he's played this event. So I'm not sure why Hoffman's only 7,300. I mean, I guess his recent form, 40th, 30th, 40th, not great, uh, but it's not like you know the three missed cuts that we saw from Billy Horschel before last week. So uh, surprising to me to see Hoffman at 7.3k. I would have pegged him, you know, closer to 8k, maybe even a little above 8k. But yeah, all those guys that you mentioned, I mean, they're all they all have value with uh you know the guys that devo mentioned uh stanley and and glover are being good ball strikers uh, some of the other guys have in really solid recent form i mean there's uh, there's a lot of guys to like in there in that 7.3 7.4 7.5 k range uh devo you got anybody else here in the seven k's that you like um not really i do agree with you guys on kang hoffman uh, Nick Taylor, Chad Campbell, uh, Ryan Moore. These are all guys that look interesting to me. And it's kind of one of the things in this tournament. I see a lot of just pretty good plays, especially in the 7K range. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of weird to me that, you know, Glover and Stanley really pop as much as they do. And so I'm being told that I'm going to get them at a reduced ownership because of the competing options around them. And so I just really don't, you know, see a need to deviate. 
Yeah, I mean, all these guys are kind of going to they're going to take ownership away from each other where you might see all of them be. I mean, you can't roster all these guys, obviously, or you can and leave, you know, three K a salary on the table or something. But uh, you're going to see a lot of, you know, 10, 15 percent ownership uh, on a lot of these guys because uh, they are the strongest plays. So, you know, there's six or seven of them. And so whoever you might think are better than the others, uh, obviously, those are the guys you want to target a little bit heavier Seen some talk about Chad Campbell this week. He's got some decent history. Uh, he's been truly boomer bust this year. A lot of missed cuts, but he did have a 13th place finish last week. Uh, so, you know, Campbell is uh, is there. Kevin Tway has been somewhat popular in recent weeks, but he's a bomber. Uh, kind of faded a bit. You know, a few of the rounds last week did have a 64 on Saturday. Uh, still snuck out a top 25 finish out of that. So, uh, some more interesting guys here in the low 7Ks. You've got popular names like uh, Wesley Bryan. You've got uh, William McGirt in this range. Any other low 7Ks for you, Gib? Uh, I'm just looking at uh, Carl Rivas. I think he's a, a Texas boy. From He might be from around the area. I, I can't confirm that right now. But he's played the, the tournament five times. He missed the cut the first time. Uh, he played it uh, two years ago. He made the cut, but then failed. He had an MDF uh, two years ago, but he came fifth here last year. So uh, that all important fifth place, uh, just kidding. Um, and then Steve Tricker won this tournament four years ago. He's made five or six cuts, I think this year so far. So he's got some very solid course history and his recent form isn't that bad. So he's just another seven point low seven K player. That's going to soak up some ownership as well. I, I, I feel like, yeah. or do you think that, you know, people are going to overlook the old, old stricker man? No, I mean, I, he does tend to be a little bit overlooked, but you know, five, six, 7%. I mean, that's more ownership that he'll take up. And I think there's not a ton of options. There are a few options below seven K, but not a ton. So uh, maybe, you know, the, the, all these guys are going to be where a lot of people are looking to value uh, for mm-hmm. value. I mean, there's just not, there's not a ton of guys under seven K uh, in terms of names that stand out. Obviously Bill Haas stands out as a name, uh, but he's missed his last three cuts. Maybe he's this week's Billy Horschel, who knows, but he's a name down there at 6.9 K. Uh, but there's, I mean, there's a lot of pretty bad golfers down towards the bottom, including this jazz. Have you seen this guy Gib? I dare you. <laughs> I, I dare you mention him, but yeah, I can't even do it. His last name is four. Jazz Jenny Watanadanad. It's not that hard. Come on, that's probably pretty close. It's like fifteen or sixteen letter letters that last name. Just call him Jazz Jane. Could you imagine? Like, I want to see his caddy's, uh, his caddy's little <laughs> smock. You know, I what what? How do you fit that last name on the back of the? I don't know what those are called. Jazz it, man. Put, just put jazz man, jazz man on the back. What are those things called? Somebody save me. Bibs. Thank you. Yes, bibs. It's such a simple word that I couldn't, I couldn't place it. Uh, anyway, I want to see his caddy's bib. Uh, I'm sure somebody, somebody somewhere will post a picture on Twitter of this. Uh, if you're going to the tournament, that's your job. Uh, get, get us a photo of that. Uh, follow jazz or mr jazz man around for now, a does couple he have jazz hands yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right 6k golfers i said there's not a ton that i love in here but uh, there's a few names uh debo what do you got for us uh i got one guy at 7k that i didn't mention that's wesley Bryan. so many of these guys are good too like i mean john huh jonathan vegas dirt mcgirt 
Kevin's way, they're all fine plays, but Wesley Bryan just kind of pops a little bit more. So I think kind of that's the theme is you really don't need to worry about ownership for kind of any of these guys, I bet. Uh, just take the one that's your favorite and go with it. And for me, that's Wesley Bryan at 7K. And um, yeah, it's the same way in the 6Ks too. There's just two guys that really stand out to me in a sea of other pretty fine options. I think that uh, Chris Stroud, uh, Bill Haas are interesting, Matt Jones perhaps, but um, I'm going to go all the way down to my old guy of the week. That's Stuart Sink at 6.7K. Uh, statistically, it looks great, and his form is pretty dang good. So that's, that's my old man. All right, Gib, you got any other guys, uh, old or not old, in the 6Ks? If, if if you're really going to roster him, I'll do you a solid Devo, and I won't roster him, and he should come in 20th. Every time I roster I him, this. he misses the cut. So I have just learned that, you know what, Stuart Sink is just not meant to be for me this year. I got no hard feelings against the man, but as soon as I click that plus button, yeah, he uh, his game uh, is down the down the gurgle or down the sink. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you mentioned John Ha. He's, he's been playing pretty well in Texas events. I think he had another solid finish in a Texas event last week. I got no issues with him. He comes in 22nd on my model, so... You know, I don't mind uh, John. Huh? Um, you know, you. I agree. There's not much down there that really makes me feel great about rostering them. Martin Laird, I can never peg him right, so it's sort of like a Stuart Sink. So I, I probably won't be rostering him. I'm sort of intrigued a little bit by Billy Hurley the third. Um, I have. Don't think I've rostered him many times in my life. I don't think I have either. So, you know, maybe I can uh, curse him that way. But uh, it's not until I get down to, say, an Aaron Badley who, you know, he, he um, like I said, I don't mind playing Australians when it comes to Texas events. Uh, and he's been playing pretty well. Uh, he's got some solid uh, recent form, not like solid for him. Uh, I, I think he's his course history. Um, I'm just going to double check that. Um, but... Who are you looking for? Oh, Aaron Badley. Um, but the person, my highest in my model, the highest ranked player at the lowest price is actually Boo Weekly. He's uh, won this course before, sort of fits his wheelhouse. Very great uh, TD Green player. He's just not a great putter. But, you know, the smaller green, we don't have to worry about that much. You know, he comes in 34th on my model and he's 6,400. So, um, you know, again, it's sort of like a, the same... Lines is uh, David Lingmurth. Don't go out and rust a whole bunch of him because he is volatile sometimes. But you know, I think in his last four starts, he's had three fortieths and a missed cut. So down at this price and with the reduction in uh, missed cuts due to the uh, field size, I don't mind Boo Weekly, especially especially being a former winner here at this uh, course. All right, interesting options there. I, I I I had the exact same thought about Billy Hurley. I was like, this is a guy that I rarely play, mm-hmm. um, but I he's been playing pretty well lately. So I, you know, I'm if you agree to hop on the train for some teams this week, Gib, I'll I'll join you and we'll 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 sweat Billy Hurley together a little bit this week and no see worries. how that goes. Aaron Badley, four cuts made out of five trips to this course. All right, and again, there's not a whole lot of names down here. Anybody else quickly, Brian, uh, that you didn't mention that you have, or are we good? Martin Laird, 6.6K. 
All right. Uh, yeah, he's a guy like Gib. I, I I never seem to peg him correctly, but uh, if you're looking for an option down there that has some upside, Martin Laird certainly brings that to the table. So that is going to wrap us up for this week, another edition of Grinders Live After Dark in the Books. The Memorial Tournament is uh, next week. It should be some pretty big GPPs out there for that one. Hopefully FanDuel Golf is back. So tune in next week for another show. Until then, Best of luck, everybody. We will see you one week from now. Take care. Pros do it right by relying on trusted brands because your reputation depends on it. Lowe's is here to help by having more of those brands in stock, like DeWalt. So when you need a DeWalt tool fast, you know where to go and where to save. Because we stock the largest in-store selection of DeWalt power tools and accessories of any national retailer. And now you can save $100 on a DeWalt XR2 tool 20-volt max brushless power tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver for just $289. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 616 U.S. only. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Care Centers, you'll get a $75 prepaid Visa card when you spend $250 on Napa brake parts, which is cause to celebrate. Because normally the sound of screeching brakes means your bank account's about to take a hit. But getting $75 back makes that hit not so bad. Quality parts installed by the pros. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Care Centers, exclusions apply. Offer ends 63019.